Welcome back to another episode of the Fantasy Football Freaks podcast. I am your host, Matthew Bashir, and I am joined this week by my very talented, very inquisitive, very analytical friend, Daniel Jombash. Uh, Daniel, how are you doing today? I'm lovely. I wasn't expecting all of that as my introduction, but uh, I think you oversold me. So uh, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. You're certainly welcome. Uh, This week we are doing our wide receiver draft preview. The wide receivers are, of course, the divas of the NFL, the glitz, the glamour, the flash. I don't know how you feel. I have a special place in my heart for wide receivers. I know that it's a product of how many wide receivers get on the field typically in the modern NFL system. But every year there's a hidden gem. There's somebody that you pick up off off the waiver wire that really explodes for you, really comes through for you. And it just, it really endears wide receivers to me. You know, it's such a harder time barring a a crazy injury, finding a a hidden, a hidden running back. But typically every year uh, you can, if you really, you know, do a little bit of work the first couple weeks of the season, take a little bit of risk, you can really find some diamonds in the rough. Like for instance, last year on a couple of my teams, uh, I took some flyers on both TJ McLaurin as well as DJ Shark and and they both uh, panned out wonderfully. So We're going to talk about those two a little bit later on. But yeah, I mean, I think it's because you're drafting so many more wide receivers than everybody else. You're you're only drafting two running backs for the most part, but you're drafting, I think most people are drafting a wide receiver as their flex. I think that you're getting your two initial wide receivers and in some leagues you've got three wide receivers, but I think most people are going for a flex wide receiver spot. And I think it's because you have so many more opportunities. And I think that it's also the position that all of us wanted to play growing up. I don't think anybody grew up wanting to really be a running back for the most part. Everybody wants to catch the pass. Everybody wants to catch the one-handed Odell, land in the end zone. That I mean, it's it's the most fun getting to pick your wide receivers. I think your quarterback that you get to pick and your wide receivers you get to pick are the two positions that are the most fun to get to pick every single year. Yeah, I have to agree with with what you just said there. And I think also I've just in my, you know, in my decade plus now playing fantasy football, I've been burned. Uh, wide receivers are just safer picks, especially in the first couple of rounds, at least, you know, anecdotally for me and, and my personal experience playing fantasy, I don't know if, if that's technically fair for everyone, but the, the two times, the couple, couple of times I've really gotten burned with first round picks. The horrible Chris Johnson slump year comes to mind for me personally. The couple of times that my whole fantasy season has been derailed by one terrible pick in the first couple of rounds. It's been a running back. Wide receivers have, have tended to be pretty good for me. And so they're, they're arguably my favorite position in fantasy, both to uh, draft as well as scout and, and try and get somebody on the come up. You, I mean, you're talking to the same person who uh, may or may not have spent $93 on David Johnson in our uh, fantasy draft last year. Just for the record, our draft is a little insane in our shared uh, league together. So it's definitely a lot more money than you think it's going to be. So 93 is not so insane in this league, but it's definitely a lot. It was not my finest move. And so I agree. Wide receivers are generally speaking those the safer position, the position that we always feel much, much better about. But I'm going to go ahead and tell you now, and I'm going to preview this for you. I hate wide receivers this year. And it's the first year I've ever felt this way. And I am always a person who's going to be draft wide receivers early. And and I'm almost advocating for a zero running back system. This is the first year that I'm going to be arguing not that. And it is, you're going to hear me be very down on most of these wide receivers. I think there is definitely a slug in wide receivers this year that I don't think has been the case for multiple, multiple years. Uh, I mean, it's been what, 10 plus years, a decade plus since I was in high school playing fantasy football. And this is the first year where I could see myself going zero wide receiver to start out the season. And I mean, we'll get into that later, but I am not a fan of the wide receivers this year. That's really interesting. Yeah, definitely stay tuned for the later parts of this podcast where we flesh that out and, and hear your longer opinion on why you think that's the case. I was sitting here thinking while, while you were talking, I think the other thing, uh, the, the other thing that 
causes wide receivers to be safer is I just their decline tends to be a little bit less severe. I think that's unfortunately with running backs sometimes when they get to that 31, 32, 33 year old age range, they just literally fall off a cliff in one year. You know, they could be a top 10 at a position and then the next year they're not even in the top 30 just because they aged out. Whereas that, you know, father time's undefeated, but with wide receivers, uh, they tend to age a little bit more gracefully, I feel like. And so it, it does it does make their selection a little bit safer. But let's go ahead and launch into our very first um, section of the podcast this week. And that is, uh, as we have started the first couple episodes uh, of the, the series so far, with the, the $10,000 question, the elephant in the room right now. Is there going to be an NFL season this year? Are we are we putting in all this time and energy into preparing for our fantasy football drafts for not? What do you think? Do you think we're going to have football in some form this year? So it's complicated, right? And so college just came out today, and it, and it feels like I think the SEC decided that they're not going to go for college football until the last week of September ACC has come out that they're going to do their conference play plus one. SEC is just coming out that they're just going to play against conferences. And so you look at what the college method is and you're like, okay, well, they've got a plan there. But then you look at the NFL and you're just like, what's the plan? What what are you doing? At least baseball plans failing. Base, our basketball's plan is thriving, but NFL doesn't have a plan. And it's not clear what they're trying to do. It's not clear how they're going to go about this. Are they going to play in a bubble? Are they going to go to arenas? Are they going to do what? Say something. And and so you're just waiting for Goodell to say something to the masses. And we're, I mean, we're now going into the first week of August and you're just like, where's the information? And so I think there will. I think it's going to be delayed, but I don't know. I, I it's It's definitely a lot dice here. I think that we're probably in the worst of this before the second wave hits, but I think that we'll probably get at least a few games in before um, maybe things start to level out. I don't know. Yeah. I've been cautiously optimistic throughout, but the evidence is kind of in front of us. And and so far the two, the two sports that chose to go with hard bubbles, the NHL and the NBA have done really well so far. Zero, zero positive tests. And basketball has had two straight weeks and they're two weeks in the bubble, zero tests that are positive. NHL has had two weeks, zero tests that are positive. MLS has been in their bubble three straight weeks, zero positive tests. I, I mean, you just the bubble method is working and I'm not entirely sure if the NFL is going to consider this or not. And you know what Lee, you didn't mention right there? <laughs> I did not Ma- mention the MLB. Major League Baseball <laughs> who chose to not do the bubble and very quickly first week of the their season already has a mini outbreak uh, on their hands with almost it, a half of the Marlins right now has the coronavirus. And it could be canceled tomorrow. Like MLB could be on a postponed or delayed schedule starting tomorrow. We're just in this waiting mode and we don't know what's going to happen. And I have to imagine the NFL is seeing what everybody else is doing. They have to see what the NHL and the MLS and the NBA are doing and see how, I mean, much, much better it's working than the MLB. And yeah, it's early. And and maybe this, this is all going to go wrong. Maybe we can't do this. But you've got to look at what the M- NBA and all of them are doing. All the bubbles are working. And if they continue to work, then, I mean, maybe the NFL has to take that into consideration. But, you're, I mean, you're already starting to see Marquise Goodwin not going to play this season. Uh, I think there's been a few other people, and you've got to imagine that that's going to happen more and more frequently. Yeah. Um, I still – the season's going to start. I, that, there's no doubt in yeah. my mind on that. It just – you know, as I, we discussed on the Running Backs preview episode last week, I talked about how once an outbreak happens, that that's really the question mark because we haven't – the NFL and the NFL's Players Association, I believe as of yesterday, still haven't fully finalized the safety protocol. So we don't know because they don't know what, what they're going to do and, and what the steps are going to be in the event that multiple people on, on one team test positive. So I do feel very confident that the season's going to start and we are going to get multiple weeks in. Uh, but if we're going to get that full – 16 games in is is the huge question and and nobody really knows the answer right now uh stay tuned um in this space obviously if if anything big happens throughout the season we'll certainly keep you guys updated all right so now we are moving on to the main portion of the show uh, the reason why you all are all tuned in listening to this week's episode which is our rankings and draft preview of the wide receiver positions we're going to dive into our personal
personal rankings for the top 20 uh, at this position. As we did last week, I just want to go and give the disclaimer that these rankings are based off of 0.5 PPR. I understand most people play in standard scoring leagues. I understand a lot of people love and adore playing in PPR point per reception leagues. Uh, it felt kind of like the equal and fair thing to do is, is split the difference and, and do these rankings based on a half point uh, per reception. Um, so without further ado, Daniel, uh, I'll let you lead off as the guest uh, this week. Who do you have as your top ranked number one wide receiver for this fantasy football season, sir? I mean, this is a no brainer, right? Like, I mean, we're not even going to argue about this. He's in a tier by himself. He is the number one on his team on one of the better passing offenses on the NFL. He has great weeks. He has good weeks. He rarely has bad weeks. He's never injured. It's Michael Thomas. And, and there's not any debate here for me. He is solely in the elite number one category by himself for me. He will be the only wide receiver I would consider with my first round pick. I think that he is, I think he's phenomenal. And I think he's going to continue having a phenomenal career this year. Yeah, I wish I wish I could push back, wish I could debate you a little bit, but, but I agree with you. There is no debate. I also have Michael Thomas ranked number one. He was wide receiver eight in standard scoring in 2018, and he finished wide receiver one last year in standard scoring in 2019. Uh, all the same ingredients are still in place from last year's team. They're still bringing back uh, all the major offensive weapons on offense. Uh, same quarterback in Drew Brees, same coaching staff put in place. Uh, they're just a dominant offensive team when they're clicking i don't think that that's really going to change in 2020 they're a team that scores a lot of points there's a lot of opportunity looks like his target share is going to remain about the same this year that it was yet last year so uh, i agree with you michael thomas is unto a tier of his own and he is clearly number one for both of us the only thing if you are considering him with your first round pick the only negatives i can really bring up and say against you so what I did with my my rankings, and I'm looking through it, and I, I rated everybody on their great weeks, which is if you score 25 or more points in a half-point PPR league in my $100 league that I was in last year, good weeks are if you score 15 to 25 points, bad weeks if you're scoring sub-10. And the only thing I will say is that Michael Thomas doesn't really have the big, big weeks. He had two great weeks. He had one week at 35.7. He's not a guy who's going to single-handedly win new weeks in the same way that some of these running, like in the same way that a, a Lamar Jackson or a Christian McCaffrey can win new weeks. But his consistency is what you are looking for. And you're going to hear me talk about that a lot today. You want consistency and you're going to, I think with this year with wide receivers, it's not about the flashy pick. It's not about the guy who's going to go out there and get you 41 week but zero the next <clears throat> Mike Thomas or sorry Mike Evans um but but Michael Thomas is going to be that person who's going to be consistently great for you over the course of the season and I think that that's what you want and I think that that's going to be the thing that um is going to carry you to a fantasy football win the only other thing I can say negative about them is his championship week which I had him in my league last year was a really rough week and if you're going to have one really bad week you don't want it in the championship week. And that is it's it's a hard it's a hard way to end your season. Yeah, that that is certainly the worst when a player performs for you the entire year and then uh, either due to a benching or they've already clinched a playoff spot or they just have a bad week. That's what happens with athletes. They don't always do their best every single week. And if it's your championship week, that that really uh, is going to hurt and leave leave a sting. Um, okay, so like I said, we both got Michael Thomas at number one. Uh, not really a lot of debate there. Here's where I think we're going to deviate a lot, especially because I put someone at number two that was a little bit, I don't want to say a reach, but I, I, don't, I think I'm in the minority on how high I am on this guy this year, and I'm okay with that. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and let you know, put it out there since you went first. I have DeAndre Hopkins at number two for me. Three years ago, wide receiver one, 2017. Two years ago, wide receiver four, 2018. Last year, a little bit of a dip, wide receiver nine in 2019 in standard scoring league. That offense is the main selling point for me. I am so high on the Arizona Cardinals offense this year. It is going to be explosive. I don't know if they're going to be quite the same level as the Saints that we were just discussing, but they're going to put up a lot of points in that offense. Obviously, the, the huge conf concern, the red flag, I'm going to go ahead and, and uh, put it out there because I know you're going to bring it up. 
He did get traded. He is in a brand new system with a brand new quarterback. There's no preseason this year. It is a little bit of a concern. I'm going to be honest. And that's, I would understand people who have that pushback, but I just want all the shares of the Arizona Cardinals offense in 2020. Kenyon Drake was a really, really high-level running back after his trade to the Cardinals last year. I don't know if he's going to quite repeat that performance, but I do think he's going to be a quality running back, which only helps DeAndre Hopkins. And there's also several – it's a good wide receiver core. Like I don't have concerns that he's going to get like triple teamed when they've got the likes of Christian Kirk and, and Larry Fitzgerald out there winding down his career, but, but still a solid wide receiver three. If, if he's your, your third best wide receiver on your team, you're doing pretty well. So uh, I know you probably don't have DeAndre Hopkins at number two, uh, but, but how do you feel about DeAndre Hopkins this year? So I had him at number three, and I, and I agree with you. I, I, he's on a – He's on a great offense. He's in an offense that you're going to want this year. If you're drafting and you're not really sure where to go, go for good offenses. New Orleans, Arizona, these are offenses that you want to be part of. And he's great, and he's going to be good for you. I do have concerns, and I think that moving to a new team is obviously going to be a problem for him. And with the way this regular season has happened this year, I think that that's going to be something or the way that this preseason is happening this year with everything happening in the pandemic it, it matters but at a certain point talent matters more than everything else and at a certain point talent is going to be what outranks you over everything else there's a reason why I didn't have num- I didn't have him number two as well and it's because he traded team but I had him at number three I don't I don't think this is a bad pick I think that he is a solid starting point wide receiver for you I wouldn't draft him until uh, later in my drafts. I, I'm not somebody who is going to go after him early, early in my drafts. I wouldn't spend a first-round pick on him. But a mid-tier, early second-round pick, absolutely. I think that he's going to be fine for that point for you. I think that he's going to be a solid player for you at that point in time in the draft. Yeah, I think it's reasonable to expect that he may start slow. It may be a rough first couple of games as he acclimates to the system, as him and Kyler Murray get on the same page and, and figure out each other's quirks and and where he likes the ball and his favorite routes and, and get their timing together. But I, I just think by the end of the by the end of the year, he's going to be. I mean, he's has such a consistent track record of performance. Like I said, number one wide receiver in all of fantasy three years ago, top five at four last year, and then a little bit of a dip to wide receiver nine last year, but um, not enough that, that it alarms me. And, and I just can't go I just have so many superlatives for, for what I think about this offense, how explosive I think it's going to be, how many points they're going to put up. Uh, and I think it also helps that their defense doesn't project to be that great. Like they're going to be in shootouts every week. There's going to be a need to put up points. They're going to be high scoring games. Um, and so it's throwing the ball a lot consistently and off often, uh, hopefully to their, their number one wide receiver, their number one talent on the entire offense, which again, to me projects to be Deandre Hopkins. I mean, uh, to me, if you're looking at this and you're just asking yourself, who's better? Like if you're looking at him and you're just looking at, who are the other wide receivers that you're going to draft? Do you feel great about any of them other DeAndre than other than DeAndre Hopkins? Like, do you feel much, much significantly better than Devonta Adams and him? And and you're going to hear me say some pretty negative things about Devonta Adams in a few minutes. But DeAndre Hopkins is so much more consistent than these guys. He rarely has bad weeks. He is injured every now and then. I think he was only injured for one game last year, and it was the final week of the season, so it didn't actually impact your fantasy season at all. But we've had, we know DeAndre Hopkins has had injury concerns in the past. But I'm not, I'm not worried about him. And I think that the sheer amount of passes that are going to be thrown by Kyler Murray to DeAndre Hopkins is going to be what oversells it at the end of the day. I, I'm not, a, I'm not against this pick and putting him number two. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. So let's throw it back to you. Who do you have as your number three overall wide receiver in fantasy for 2020? So he would have been my number two, and you're going to think I'm a homer. Uh, you're going to say that this is very much a homer pick. And look, Kansas City Chiefs fan, and my number two wide receiver is going to be Tyree Hill. I think it's a bounce back year for him. I think the Chiefs are coming in with confidence. I think the Chiefs are coming up with weapons that are going to help open up this offense. I think Mahomes was out for a couple of games last year that I think affects what Tyreek Hill was going to be able to do. I am definitely biased here, but I think this offense sets up really well for Tyreek Hill. I do think that he has more bad weeks and injuries than you remember last year because he was out for four weeks. He had five bad weeks. But if he's healthy and he's in that offense... 
I just believe in him. And I believe what Mahomes is going to do. I think Mahomes is being underrated this year in a way that I, I'm still surprised about. I'm surprised that Mahomes is rated as like the fourth or fifth or a quarterback. And I just don't buy it. I think that he's going to be throwing a lot. I think this offense is going to be passing a ton. And I think Tyreek Hill is going to be the guy who's going to benefit the most this year. Yeah, I have Tyreek at four, so I'm not I'm not too too far behind you. I'm not Gosh. quite as high as you, but I do have him at four. He was the number one wide receiver in all of fantasy in 2018. Like you said, did did have um, some some issues uh, last year that prevent, prevented him from playing in some games. So he did finish last year as only wide receiver 28. The great thing about Tyreek Hill, and you kind of mentioned it earlier in the pod, was. Tyreek Hill is a big play monster. Like you have certain guys that are just consistent and they get close to the same amount of points every week and you can plug and play them in your lineup and you can pretty much be rest assured that they're not going to throw a stinker in there and that you can count on a certain level of production for them. And that's valuable. Like, I mean, obviously, like I said, that, that Michael Thomas does that a lot and he's our number one wide receiver. But there's also something great about having a guy who consistently pulls off as many large and high-scoring plays as Tyreek Hill. There's something great about having a guy that's almost a trump card where you know, I can't predict what week it's going to be, but at least one out of every three to four weeks, Tyreek Hill is going to go off. And he could single-handedly carry my team to victory. There's just something, there's just a, a, a confidence that I personally have when, when I have a player like that on my team. Um, and and I... Really, really, that's the, that's the huge plus for me uh, about Tyreek Hill. As you alluded to, the Chiefs offense, highest scoring offense in football last year. Uh, I don't know if they'll finish number one this year, but I'd be shocked if they fell out of the top five. They're going to throw the ball a lot. Uh, they don't have a top, you know, their defense is not terrible. Obviously, they're Super Bowl champions, but they don't have an elite defense, so they do tend to get scored on a lot, which which leads to shootouts and so, yeah, I've got Tyreek Hill at number four. And, and you said this. They finished as the number one offense last year. And Mahomes was out for at least two or three games. Tyreek Hill is out for at least four games. Their wide res- or the, sorry, their running back situation was a mess last year. They were not getting the play at running back that they wanted to. Damian Williams is going to sit out this year. They finally have somebody who's going to come at the, wide, or at the running back position that's going to help open up this offense. I'm a fan of this team. Obviously, I this is this is my team. This is the team that I've been behind since the Priest Home Trent Green era. Tyree Kill is going to be the beneficiary of this offense. And if you want to have confidence in somebody, I'm taking confidence in somebody who's been part of a system for a long time and part of an offense that's going to be top tier. And I mean, I want my number one wide receivers. I want the guy who's going to be the number one option on a team. And Tyree Kill is that guy. Well, it's really interesting you put it that way because I did want to ask you my concern. The reason why I have Tyreek Hill at four is a part of me wonders if the Chiefs have one too many weapons, uh, which is a great problem to have. But you know Travis Kelsey is going to get his. Uh, McCole Hardman really flashed a lot as a rookie last year, another big play artist, not quite to the level of Tyreek Hill, but but uh, definitely super explosive. Uh, Sammy Watkins, we forget about, but but he's coming back. He was solid last year, had a really good Super Bowl. Uh, they put a first-round pick into Clyde Edwards-Alaire, uh, who's going to obviously be the projected starter now that Damian Williams has opted out of the season due to, to health and coronavirus concerns. So I guess there's a small part of me. I have zero concerns that Tyreek Hill will be a top-10 wide receiver. But I guess what keeps him from being two for me or even three is that I, I do worry a little bit about target share. And I do worry uh, about the plethora of options that Patrick Mahomes has, all these different mouths to feed, all these different people to feed the ball. And I, I just worry if he's going to get enough targets in that offense uh, to finish one or two. This offense is going to score a ton. This offense is going to score so many points this year. Yeah, there's a lot of mouths to feed, but it's going to be McCole Hardman and Sammy Watkins fighting against each other. And I think that Travis Kelsey has taken a step back that people don't want to acknowledge. I don't think he's the same tight end that you thought he was three or four years ago. But I think if Tyree Kill is healthy, he is going to be the guy that's consistently great for you. He's going to be the guy that is consistently getting you points every single day or every single week, and I think that that's what you want. He's going to have really big, big boom weeks, but he is also going to be that safety net for Patrick Mahomes when he's throwing deep at whatever random point in the third quarter that he's just in the shootout with with somebody because the defense is still only so-so. That's going to be the thing that you're going to see, and you're going to see making these big plays all the time. I'm I'm just a fan of Tyreek Kill. I'm, I'm hoping that he stays healthy this year. The only concern I have about him is injuries, and if he can stay healthy... I, I feel more confident with him than I feel with anybody else. 
Yeah, I completely understand. So my number three guy, uh, the person who I have at, at number three in my personal rankings, is Mr. Julio Jones. Uh, Julio finished as w- at wide receiver five in 2018, and he finished exactly the same at wide receiver five in 2019. Um, I think Julio is going to really, we're going to get to this guy later, certainly, maybe in multiple opportunities, uh, as he is the whole entire fantasy community's darling right now at the wide receiver position. And, and I actually agree with everyone. I'm not going to uh, try and give a hot take and, and go against the grain. Uh, Calvin Ridley's emergence last year and continual growth on, on the opposite side of the field from Julio is really going to benefit him immensely. Calvin Ridley keeps improving uh, every single year. Like I said, we're going to specifically discuss him later, but Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones this year, I think are going to be a top five wide receiver duo uh, together. And for the longest time, uh, poor Julio was kind of out there on his own. I mean, yes, they had some people like Mohamed Sanu who were solid, if not spectacular. But the entire secondary has, for the most part in his tenure in Atlanta, always been focused on Julio Jones. The defensive coordinators always scheme uh, to try and contain him and to try and prevent him. And for the for the first time in his career, I feel like he's going to have someone on the other side of the field who's at least in the ballpark in terms of production, in terms of talent for him. In addition, I'm also really high on Todd Gurley's edition this year obviously that's entirely going to be based on his health and no one really knows you know what what the deal with the knee is but i'm i'm positive on Todd Gurley. i think the knee is he's going to be able to play through the arthritis i think he's going to be a very successful addition uh to this offense and finally i would say uh, austin hooper left austin hooper is with the browns uh, i do think really good things about hayden hurst uh, but i don't think hayden hurst is going to get anywhere near the amount of targets that austin hooper got last year and i think the the whole uh, in this offense and on these teams uh, for those targets i think a lot of those are going to just be uh, funneled through over to julio jones side so I, i've got julio at three for me i had julio at five i i think he's fine I think he's a little bit more boom bust than you think he's think he is. I think he has a lot of mediocre weeks. I think that he can definitely win you a week, and I think he's shown that capability. But he is getting older, and so there's a word of caution here because, yeah, he's not really showing a lot of signs of slowing down, but sometimes it just happens, and this is a weird year. And I think that when you're looking at this year and you're looking at guys who maybe are a little bit more ragged than what they're normally used to being. I think that Julio Jones can be that person who's maybe taken a step down. I don't love where he's going in drafts, and, and it looks like he is a mid-second round pick uh, for people, and I don't like that. I, I, w- I would not want him as a second-round pick. I'd rather go running back, running back, or take one of these tight ends. I'm, I'm not a fan of taking him super high. I'm, he's obviously got injury concerns in the past, I, I think his offense with Matt Ryan getting a little bit older and a little bit less effective and Calvin really taking a step up, I think that you're looking at this, yeah, maybe there's no Austin Hooper, but I think this offense just could be not as good as you want it to be. And the fact of the matter is that team was so out of the playoff contention by the end of the year that he was just out toward the end of the year. Like He wasn't playing it nearly as much as you wanted him to, and I am a little concerned about that. Yeah, no, that that's totally valid. The Atlanta Hawks offense definitely took a step back last year. I think their offensive line really did not have a great year. I watched several games where poor Matt Ryan was back there ducking for his life, uh, taking a lot of hits and a lot of sacks. But uh, I'm high on Atlanta's offense this year. I think prior to last year, they had a very, very successful five-year run year. Uh, excuse me. They had a very successful five-year run uh, where they put up a lot of points. They were very efficient. They were very successful. Uh, and I think last year was a blip uh, on the radar. I think they're going to return uh, back to their ways of being a top-level NFL offense this year. The interesting thing for Julio Jones is throughout his entire career, he's really struggled with touchdowns. If you look at uh, his touchdown compared to a lot of the other wide receivers, elite wide receivers he finishes around, for, for some reason, and there's a lot of different theories out there we don't have time to get into, but he struggles. His, his touchdown numbers are typically um, lower than what you think they're going to be if you've not particularly owned him in a season for a while. And one of these years, that's going to change. Like I, it, when when you have a statistic that haunts you your entire season, then that do, or your, your entire career, excuse me, that's the rule. And so I think that's a fair evaluation of Julio Jones. 
but he's such a talented player and has been so top level for so long. I do think there's going to be one of those random years where he's like a la Aaron Jones last year and he just gets so many touchdowns and he has such a positive touchdown uh, regression one year and, and that's going to be the year to own him. I don't want to predict that that's going to be 2020, but I do. I am really high on him. Obviously, I have him at three uh, and, and I think that He's gonna he's gonna be someone that you want on your team this year. Uh, moving on, Daniel, who who do you have next in your rankings, and, and where do you have him? So he would have been four for me, but I've got Devonta Adams, and cool at five like, or at four. I've got him at four in my rankings, okay. um, but this would be fifth for us. Sure, I mean Devonta Adams is a guy like he's there for you. He's never as good as you want him to be. He seems to always leave people kind of lacking with his production. We don't want to talk about this, but Rodgers is a problem. Rodgers isn't as good as he was five years ago, and that's going to be a real problem for Devonta Adams. He was good down the stretch, but he always seemed to have a bad game pop up for him. And it's not like injuries aren't a concern for him. Um, I'm not I'm not a fan. I'm not high on him. I don't feel great about him. I would rather go further down my list to take another another a different one. Number one. I think he's better than what you're seeing available, but I wouldn't draft him where he's going in drafts. I think he he's not as great as everybody wants him to be. We are in complete agreement about this. I have Devonta Adams at five. I've seen a lot of well-respected fantasy analysts that have him at two. I I, don't, I I can't do it. Like, no, no way. No, no, no chance. I vehemently, vehemently no disagree with that. No. He was wide receiver three in 2018, two years ago, and he finished wide receiver 24 last year. Listen, there's no other viable wide receiving threat on that team right now. Devin Funches opted out. Devin Funches was supposed to be the answer at wide receiver two for the Packers. He pieced out. They put a couple draft picks in to replace Jimmy Graham, but I don't have any faith or trust in any of those guys coming on or, or being any kind of reliable target this year. So Devonta Adams is the Packers passing game in 2020. That means that he's going to be the central focus for the entire secondary every single week. He's going to get double and in some cases triple teamed. And he's a talented player. Obviously, we, we have him at five. Like He's not a bum. But I really struggle with people who have him all the way up at, at number two because he is the entirety of their passing offense. There is nobody really uh, that I have a lot of faith in in the rest of that wide receiver core or in the tight end receiving core. Um, and also, here's the other thing. Under Matt LaFleur, the Packers are a primary rushing team now. That's their primary offensive strategy. They've given every indication through the offseason, through the draft, that that's going to continue into 2020. They've transitioned. They were very successful last year uh, as being a primary running team and a primary running offense. And I just think it's going to be more of the same in 2020. That's the dirty secret that I don't think anybody wants to talk about this year, is that the Packers are a rushing offense. And that's fine. That's great. It's going to set up really well for Aaron Jones. And Aaron Jones is going to be a great player this year. And you're going to, I mean, if I was on the running back episode, you'd hear me be a really big fan of Aaron Jones. But the dirty secret is that Aaron Rodgers doesn't throw a lot anymore. He never actually has ever thrown a lot in his career. He's always that guy who's going to go 15 of 19, and he's going to have a really strong, like 250 yards, and he's going to really target one wide receiver. But Devonta Adams is not it for me. He is not a guy I want. He is not a guy I'm targeting. He's not a guy I'm looking for in any of my drafts. He is he is a big asterisk I'm avoiding. I do not want Devonta Adams at, for any of my teams, especially where he's going currently. Yeah, I completely agree. Where, where His average ADP right now, he will not be on, on any of my teams this year. I do not uh, value him in any way that, that the average fantasy community does. All right, moving on at number six for me in my rankings is last year's breakout starlet, everyone's favorite. Um, you know, it's always great whenever everybody is high on someone. You can't even really call them a sleeper anymore because everyone's all about someone. And then they actually live up to the expectations, which is what happened with this guy. It's, it's pretty rare. Uh, but, of course, we're talking about Chris Godwin. A wide receiver 25 in 2018, vaulted all the way up to wide receiver 2 in standard scoring last year in 2019. Um, obviously has a new quarterback this year. Uh, they're not going <laughs> to be say the least. Yeah, they're not going to be chucking the ball 50 times a game like they used to with famous Jameis Winston. Uh, but he did replace Jameis Winston in his many pick sixes and interceptions with only the greatest quarterback of all time, the GOAT, Tom Brady. We're going to have an interesting conversation, I think, when we get to Mike Evans a little bit okay, later. Yeah, we're going to have a very interesting conversation yeah, with 
with Mike Evans. Uh, t- Tom Brady is the GOAT, but but he he's displayed some issues these last couple years that we'll probably discuss that are primarily going to end up affecting Mike Evans and the routes that Mike Evans is best at and intends to run. But likewise, Tom Brady's still really, really good at, at t- targeting the slot. Uh, he still loves his slot receivers. Uh, think think Julius Edelman. Um, he, he, his timing is still really, really good. He's still top level. Uh, I don't say top level, but his accuracy when he's still into the slot wide receivers is, is still on par with where it's been the rest of his career. And you're just going to plug Chris Godwin right into that role. Chris Godwin demonstrated last year that he is an elite level uh, inside receiver in this league. And he's being paired with a quarterback who throws best down the seam and two in, inside slot wide receivers. So, so let me ask you this. What is your expectation for the Buccaneers next year? Eight and eight. If we play 16 games, I, I think we're, they're going to finish about eight and eight. And I mean, that, that's the problem, right? Like if they're an eight and eight team, then that means their offense isn't as great as you think it's going to be. And I think that that's going to be exactly what you go into the season thinking. I think somebody is going to be bad in this offense. And if you're asking me to choose between the running backs and Gronk and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, I'm choosing Chris Godwin. He's the guy that I think is going to be the consistent one between all of them. I think the fact that he plays in the slot and Tom Brady loves the slot because he can't throw more than five yards in front of him anymore I think this is going to wow. be, if you want to throw shade, wow. I mean, look, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not on the Tom Brady Buccaneers bandwagon. I think they're, I think this is an overrated team in every way that you can think a team is going to be overrated. I think Tom Brady is overrated, not holistically over his career. I think he's the greatest quarterback of all time, but right now at this moment in time, what would you, I mean, is he, is he a, would you draft him in our two quarterback league this year? Is he a top twenty quarterback for you? Yeah, but it's it's to, it's towards the end. It's but, between fifteen and twenty. But you guys heard that hesitation in Matt's voice, and that hesitation is exactly why this is a different tier for me. I, I for me, I had my tier two was Tyreek Hill, DeAndre Hopkins, Julie or Julio Jones, and uh, Devonta Adams. But this is a tier by itself for me. Chris Godwin is in a tier by himself. I don't know what's going to happen with the Buccaneers. I think somebody is going to be really great for them. I think somebody is going to be horrible for him. And and Chris Godwin's the one I believe in. I'm staying away from the Buccaneers as much as I can stay away from the Buccaneers. I think that it's going to be not as fun as people want it to be. So it, it's kind of up to you. If, if, you're, if you're willing to bet on the Buccaneers, I think that Chris Godwin should be your bet. But if you're not willing to bet on the Buccaneers, if you think this is overrated, I, I think that you pass on Chris Godwin. Yeah, no, I I understand where you're coming from, uh, and I think that's a very valid opinion. Uh, the the Buccaneers' offense is going to be a very mi- mixed bag this year. Uh, there's no doubting the amount of weapons, though. Uh, O.J. Howard is is a uh, proven NFL starter, tight end. Obviously, Ron Gronkowski coming out of retirement, and then uh, what most people feel is the best wide receiver combination one and two in the NFL with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. It just really helps. Like we, like I was just discussing uh, prior, not to too too uh, find a point or, or hammer it too much, but the thing that Tom Brady still does the best right now at quarterback is throw swing passes to wide receivers and throw um, under under ten yards or, or ten to fifteen yard uh, in cutting slant rounds. Uh, to the slot wide receiver. And, and that's a lot of the routes that Chris Godwin runs. That's a lot of the routes that Chris Godwin excels at. So it just so happens that the thing that his new quarterback does the best is the thing that he also does the best. So that synergy has him all the way up at number six in my rankings. I think you're going to be really interested to see who I have at seven. Hello. This is the one that I I, I really believe strongly in this. Uh, but in looking around and seeing where a lot of other people have this guy ranked, I'm a lot higher on him than most people. But I'm totally fine with it, Daniel. The, I'm, I'm swinging for the fences with this. And I feel really good on, on my percentages of connecting. My number seven wide receiver is Mr. Juju Smith-Schuster. Oh, my God. Yep. Yeah, oh, we're going boy. there. All right. Jesus. Yeah. All right. Yeah, That's, I know. I know. Uh, I know. I know. But I, I feel really good about shit, it. Let's man, not, let's rewind know. the tape. Let's All rewind right. the tape back to 2018 before Ben Roethlisberger blew his elbow out. That's a long time ago, Back man. when he had a competent human being playing quarterback uh, with him in the NFL. <laughs> Juju Smith-Schuster finished as wide receiver nine. And coming into 2019 was like he was he was the Chris Godwin of 2019. Everyone was so high on Juju Smith Schuster. He just had this rocket trajectory 
Uh, and then, like I said, Ben Roethlisberger got hot, got hurt. Excuse me, got hurt, and everything went to shit. Uh, the, his quarterback play last year, the replacement players for Ben Roethlisberger uh, were abysmal, and abysmal is being kind. Uh, that uh, props to Chris to, to excuse me to Chris props to Coach Tomlin uh, on their overall record and how close they came ultimately to making the playoffs uh, because their quarterback play was atrocious. And I think that this presents a fantastic buy low opportunity. Uh, prior to checking to this recording, uh, Juju Smith Schuster's ADP on Fantasy Pros, which uh, is a, a amalgamation of, of rankings of about eighty to one hundred experts, um, his ADP right now is all the way down to eighteen. And I've got him at seven. And I understand that that is a little, you know, there's a great disparity there between seven and 18. But I was so impressed with what he displayed prior to Ben Roethlisberger's injury. Um, all the reports I've seen about Roethlisberger have been pretty positive. He is getting up there in age. I do understand that is a valid concern. But I am on the train of thought that thinks that that Ben's going to come back and and be the quarterback that he's been for the last several years prior to the injury. Uh, And I think this is going to be such a massive boon uh, to Juju Smith-Schuster. The other really, really interesting thing that I want to point out for Juju Smith-Schuster is the emergence um, of his teammate, uh, Deontay Johnson, on the outside. We're going to discuss him a little bit later as he's one of my favorite sleeper picks this year uh, in, in 2020. But Deontay Johnson really emerged last year, even with the terrible quarterback play, as a really good outside wide receiver. And Juju Smith-Schuster has been in the league long enough that in the same way that Chris Godwin is a dominant inside slot receiver, Juju Smith-Schuster does his best work inside. He's utilized best and performs the best uh, as an inside slot receiver. And Deontay Johnson's emergence is going to allow him to go back into that role. So those two big points for me, uh, Ben Roethlisberger coming back, uh, how good and how effective that Pittsburgh offense tends to be whenever Ben Roethlisberger has been Roethlisberger, coupled with the fact that Deontay Johnson is coming back and is uh, emerging as a talent is going to continue to grow and, and be a really good wide receiver to pair with him and to specifically allow him to transition back to his preferred slot receiver role. Um, I'm, I'm just super, super bullish on, on Juju. He's all the way up at seven for me. I, I hate every ounce of this. I like, <laughs> I can't believe it. I can't fathom it. I, He's going to go as far as as Big Ben's going to go. And I don't believe in Big Ben staying healthy because he never stays healthy. He's never healthy. And last year is the first year where it really actually mattered for your NFL season. And if Big Ben goes down, so does Juju. He can't rise above the mediocrity of all the other receivers and quarterbacks that are out there. I'm out. I'm not drafting him. I'm not going after him. He had seven bad weeks, seven weeks of ten po- or less than 10 points and four injured weeks. So 11 of the 16 weeks last year, you got nothing valuable out of him. And I'm, I can't do that. You can't sit here and spend a top 10 wide receiver pick on somebody who is going to potentially be that bad for you. I no chance does Juju end up on any team I'm drafting this year. I hear you, but I think both of those two issues that you just brought up are completely resolved. If he, Big Ben's I, I, healthy, I think, that's I, all it is. If I, Big Ben's I healthy, think Juju then yeah. stays stays healthy. I don't think he's going to miss more than a game or two to injury this year, and I think he's going to be playing with a competent competent quarterback. And and like I said, when he did two years ago, he was up at wide receiver nine. Everyone had him pegged as as the the huge breakout candidate last year, and then his quarterback, his Hall of Fame Super Bowl winning quarterback, blew his elbow out. The Pittsburgh Steelers did not think that it was smart to invest in a quality NFL level backup. They put some really 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 terrible players out there he had no one to throw him the ball they went to a primarily running offense um and he fell off the face of the earth but he's back juju's back in 2020 that's my big takeaway uh i understand i'm not gonna you're not gonna get on board with me on this and that's okay that's definitely not that's the beauty of fantasy football is is difference of opinion but um yeah uh, you heard it here first juju smith schuster top 10 wide receiver in 2020 uh let's throw it back to you sir and who is the next person in your rankings and where do you have them all right so i have him at number seven and this is the least sexy pick of all time. And I wish I could come out here and tell you somebody really trendy. I wish I could throw out like a Juju Smith-Schuster for everybody and just be like, oh man, that's that's such a trendy pick. 
But I'm helping you win your fantasy football. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Go ahead. I've listened to a lot of fantasy coverage so far leading up to this season, and I have not heard anybody else. Uh, And you can at me. uh, You can email us. uh, We're setting up a Twitter. You can Twitter us. I've not heard anybody else project the Juju Smith-Schuster top 10 bounce back. There are a lot of people saying, obviously, he's going to be better with a competent quarterback. But I've not heard anybody else call the top 10. I'm calling top 10 on Juju this year, Dave. I hate every ounce of it. Just to clarify. Sorry. Sorry to interrupt. Back to you. No, you're fine. So... My my point is that the following person I'm going to tell you about, he is solid. He is nothing special. But you're not trying to make flashy picks. You're trying to win your league. No one's going to applaud this pick, and I know it's intoxicating. That that fantasy draft, whenever you make like a cool, flashy pick, you get the sleeper guy that you've been trending, and everybody's just like, oh, good pick. Oh, great pick. Nobody will say that when you draft this person. But it's DJ Moore. DJ Moore is the least sexy person that you are ever going to draft. He's fine. He is going to be good for you. He is never going to win you a week, but he is always going to be solid for you. And I like that offense. I like what he did last year. I like what that quarterback is going to be doing for them this year. But DJ Moore is a guy that if you can get people to be, I think he's going to be going, I think he's going to slip in drafts more than you think, because I think people are going to see his name and they're going to be like, eh, fine, sure, eh. And I think you're going to be able to get this guy as a low-end one, number one wide receiver for you that is going to actually be effective for you. So you have DJ at seven? I have DJ at seven. Uh, I'm not that far behind you. I've got DJ at nine. Uh, DJ finished wide receiver 38 uh, as a rookie in 2018. And last year, he went up to wide receiver 21 in 2019, even after the Cam Newton injury. Uh, The Panthers obviously have a new offensive coordinator, Joe Brady, coming in from that explosive LSU offense. Interesting point for me, I think the Carolina Panthers are going to have the worst defense in the entire NFL next year. Isn't that good? Isn't that what you yeah, want? No, you no, want? That, I mean, yeah. Exactly. That's what I'm yeah, getting yeah. to. The, the Carolina Panthers are going to get scored on so much. Yeah. They're going to have to put so many points up on the board. Uh, that, that's, that's definitely a point in, in DJ Moore's favor. Um, like we're saying, they got a new offensive coordinator, got a new head coach. Um, coming in, uh, Matt Rule from Baylor, who was also known to be uh, an offensive uh, offensive guy at his time at Baylor. Baylor's team scored a ton of points uh, when he was their coach. Has a new quarterback, as you mentioned, uh, Teddy Bridgewater, which is definitely a huge step up from uh, the quarterback play he was getting last year after Cam Newton went down. I really like DJ Moore because I think he's still improving as a player. I still think we haven't seen peak DJ Moore. I mean, obviously, because we we have him uh, last year. We had, he finished as wide receiver twenty one. We've got him all the way up in our top ten this year. Uh, but but I like where your head's at because I'm thinking the same way. I think uh, with a steady a steady handed quarterback like Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, he's going to continue uh, to play better, uh, better, better on-field uh, performance, uh, and, and I see him taking that leap to being uh, a guy at the tail end of the top ten wide receivers this year. And and that's how I feel about it. And if you look at it, there's gonna the, he came into that season thinking that Cam Newton was going to be his quarterback last year. Trained most of the preseason thinking that that was going to be the case, and then uh, to Cam play like even a game last year, I don't even remember anymore. It's been so long. It feels like sports have been not been happening so long anymore. But, but he spends grand majority of the season without Cam Newton as his quarterback, and he makes it work. And I think that that is the, the, the point about him that I find most impressive and the reason why I'm going to be trying to target him in my drafts. I think he's going to go lower than you think. I think that he is going to be a guy that you can target and get him as your number one wide receiver late in drafts. And I think that he's going to be really strong for most people coming into this year. Yeah, I completely agree. One last quick note on DJ Moore. I did want to say when I looked at the statistics for him, uh, he was a little unlucky last year. He projects to have some positive touchdown regression this year, uh, have Lady Luck bounce back in his favor. So uh, new offense, uh, new offensive coordinator who likes to throw the ball a lot, new head coach likes to throw the ball a lot, new quarterback uh, who's a, a huge improvement on what he was seeing last year, uh, coupled with a, a player who has always had uh, a world of talent. DJ was one of the, the top wide receivers, if not the top wide receiver, taken in his draft class a couple years ago. I, so I still don't think we've seen a ceiling. I think he's still improving. 
growing, uh, getting getting better, and I think the best is still yet to come. 2020 is going to be a huge step in that direction. Number eight for me, Daniel, in my wide receiver rankings this year, uh, kind of along the same lines of the intro you gave DJ Moore. This guy is very solid, very I would very happily, uh, you know, depending on where he falls in the overall draft. But if he fell to me, if I had him on my team, I would feel safe. Uh, I trust him. I'd feel good about having him on my team. But he he just doesn't have that sex appeal. He's he's not someone that people get real excited about when they talk fantasy football, uh, which you know is not really his fault. But I have uh, Mr. Kenny Galladay, Kenny G, uh, Baby Megatron, as he hates to be called, uh, coming in at wide receiver eight for me. Uh, Galladay was wide receiver twenty one in twenty eighteen, and I don't think a lot of people know this. He finished as wide receiver three last year, Daniel. He's he's impressive. He he's definitely had a much better season, especially with all the turbulence at quarterback last year. It was it's impressive that he finished at number three. Exactly. You beat me to it. That's the most impressive thing about Kenny for me, is he's not quarterback dependent. Matt Matt Stafford got hurt and he didn't miss a beat, which is so impressive. because uh, a lot of other wide receivers that he's getting sandwiched between around here. Juju Smith Schuster. Juju Smith Schuster being the point. And, yeah, and DJ Moore also a little bit, I think, having his his explosion being pushed back a year. Uh, due to injured starting quarterback play. Kenny just soldiered right on through to the tune of finishing his wide receiver three last year, which is so, so impressive. But the good news is Stafford's back this year, and and Stafford was actually playing some of the best football of his entire career last year prior prior to the injury. Uh, They've tried to add some weapons on that team, obviously put a high draft pick into DeAndre Swift. Uh, Their other starting running back uh, is coming back off of injury and will be back. TJ Hawkinson at tight end was a high draft pick who also had some injury issues last year, but hopefully we'll, we'll be back and, and stay healthy this entire year. Uh, so I think that offense is, is going to be sneaky good. Obviously, everyone stigmatizes the Lions. Everyone thinks about all those years and years and years of losing. Uh, but these Lions are a little bit a little bit better. I mean, obviously, I don't know if they're going to be a playoff team in 2020. I'm not ready to go that far, but they're not a dumpster fire. And that offense is certainly, I think, going to be a productive uh, and effective NFL offense in 2020. They're, they're first gear he is he's a solid number one wide receiver if you got him at a decent draft pick he's solid and he's gonna meet your expectations a lot the offense is a little worrisome but he seems to rise above it i I don't know that i believe in all the weapons that they have i don't know that there's enough but it didn't seem to matter last year and 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 stafford being in and out of the lineup didn't seem to matter last year unlike for people like juju smith schuster um but he the only really negative thing I have for him is that he had three weeks last year of below four points. So he's got some bad weeks for you. And and so you've got to, you've got to plan for that. And you've got to think about that. But generally speaking, he ha- he has a, a decent amount of good weeks. Um, he's generally pretty consistent for you. He's not going to be boom bust in the way that some of the other people that you're going to be talking about from this point on are going to be from you. He's just going to be solid. And, and him and DJ Moore are very much in a line with each other. And that makes up a different, that, that's a tier for me. If you're looking at this is that I have in my next tier after Chris Godwin, this tier is just Kenny Galladay and DJ Moore by themselves. I think that they are your consistent duo that if you got one of those two as your number one receiver and you got them later in your drafts, I think you're going to feel pretty good about yourselves. And I think that Kenny Galladay is a guy that might go a little higher in drafts. I think people love to make that, that Megatron comparison. Um, but if you can get him late later, if you can get him in the third round, if you can get him even low fourth round, you're going to feel real happy about yourself. Yeah. The, the slight difference for me, I'll be quick and and, uh, be brief so we can move on to our next guy. But the quick difference for me is Kenny Galladay is his team's premier red zone target. Like he's who they look for when they get in the 20 yard lines goal to go. Uh, and unfortunately Christian McCaffrey is going to be that guy and and to continue to be that guy for the Carolina Panthers. So that's a little bit why my personal have Galladay bumped up is just because he is the Lions' number one guy when they get in the red zone. He's really, really good at, at catching fades uh, and, and passes. He, it's just a part of his skill set. So, uh, okay, so Daniel, who, who do you have next in your rankings and, and where do you have him? This is gonna make you happy. This is this is number nine for me. Okay, Amari Cooper. You got I, I I like Amari Cooper. I I know I know what people are gonna say. There are a lot of bust weeks. A lot of them. There are a lot of bus weeks. There are a lot of injury concerns. But he is always going to give you a chance. And I love this offense. And I think Dak has something to prove. And I love people in fuck you mode going into this season. And I think Dak is going to be that guy. And I think that Dak has a lot to prove 
And I think that Amari Cooper, if you can get his consistency to, to rev up just a little bit, just a smidge, then he is a top five wide receiver. Obviously, you got to bring that down. You got to you got to compensate with what's going to happen here, which is probably that consistency is not going to happen as much as you want. But I like Amari Cooper a lot. I've always been a fan of him. I think that he has had a really interesting career so far. Uh, I love Amari Cooper. He's a guy that I will try to be targeting because I think you can get him at good value in a lot of drafts. Yeah, I'm not too far off. I have him down a couple spots at 11. He was wide receiver 19 in 2018, and he surged up to wide receiver 7 last year in 2019. Uh, that, Like you said, that it's a very explosive offense. All those, uh, Most of those pieces are back. Uh, he projects to receive mostly single coverage because he's going to be lining up with Michael Gallup and the first-round pick, CeeDee Lamb, out there as, as well. So he shouldn't ha- have to worry too much about defenses honing in on him. Obviously, Ezekiel Elliott is in the backfield and is going to be the primary weapon that teams are attempting to stop. I will say CeeDee Lamb is going to soak up, I think, a significant amount of targets this year. But I do want to also point out that the Cowboys lost uh, both Randall Cobb and Jason Witten off these offense. And they combined for 166 targets in 2019. Yeah. So Lamb's going to soak up the majority of those targets, but there's still going to be a lot that are going to go. Uh, over to Amari Cooper. Uh, and just kind of like you said, it's an excellent, it was an excellent offense last year. It projects to be an excellent offense this year. Uh, Dak Prescott took a, uh, continues to get just a little bit better incrementally uh, every single year. So Amari Cooper gets the benefit of, of pretty high level to borderline elite quarterback play every year. Uh, and like I said, I, if he stays the same, I've got him a little bit lower than last year because he finished at wide receiver seven. I've got him down a little bit uh, at 11. Like you said, do do a little bit to, to injury concerns and also due to the fact that there are a lot of mouths to feed on that offense. I think he's going to be really, really good. I think you want to draft him. You want to have him on your team, um, but he, he's a little bit lower. He's at 11 for me. So I'm, I'm going to ask you this question. How many weeks last year was Amari Cooper injured? Three. Zero. He was out zero games last year. I understand that the that the injury things are concerned, but I, I also think they're, they're a thing of the past. I, I look at Amari Cooper, and he's one of those guys that has injury concerns early in his career, and then you go forward, and he sort of stays healthy. It's, it's the same thing that we talked about. I think we talked about it a lot with Julio Jones early in his career, where we were like, well, I mean, that guy's always hurt. He's always seems to get like a shoulder injury. But now he's one of the more consistent, durable guys that you have in the NFL. I think Amari Cooper is that guy for you. And I think that Dak Prescott is a quarterback that I would be targeting in a lot of my drafts. And if you believe in this offense the way I do, I think that there's going to be a lot of mouths to feed, but I think there's going to be a lot of feeding that's going to happen in that offense. And I think that they are really going to capitalize. And Amari Cooper is a guy that I would be targeting in most of my drafts. You know what it is? He seems like he's hurt more than he is because at least once every broadcast, they cut to a scene of Amari Cooper standing on the sideline catching his breath. And the commentators are like, Amari Cooper is not on the on the field for this really important third down and six. Is he hurt? What's going on? Like, he it does seem he like just he has picks, the oxygen tank in his mouth a lot. He in picks those games. The, the most important, inopportune times to be like, guys, I got, I got to have a break, and so it leads to all this rampant speculation that he's got a nick or that he's hurt because he's seemingly not out there for an important play. And for some of her, I don't know who whose Cheerios he peed in, but uh, the announcers always call him out every time he sits out of play. Look, I could give a shit about the Dallas like record overall. Like if they lose every single game, who cares for me? I know Matt. Loves Loves the Dallas Cowboys. I don't know if he's talked about that yet, but who cares if if he's out for these list like these these important plays? Who cares if he if he already has seven for ninety five and a touchdown? I could care less if he's not in the crucial two minute drill. All right, well we can't talk about the Cowboys for this entire podcast as much as I would like to. Moving on to number ten in my rankings, we have a guy that is everything that you were describing earlier. That that sexy pick, that guy that you want to draft just so everybody else in your league just ooze and awes, and somebody else across the room is just like, "Damn it, I wanted that guy." Uh, number ten for me, and this may be—I'm a little high on this guy. You, there may be some—I'm—I'm I'm anticipating a little pushback from you. But I have A.J. Brown all the way up at number 10 for me. Oh, But let me give you this stat. This might be my favorite yeah, stat that I saw in all, all of my uh, research for preparing this podcast. According to Miles Jasper of lineups.com, A.J. Brown was the first rookie since Randy Moss 
to have at least 50 receptions, 1,000 receiving yards, and five touchdowns while averaging more than 17 yards per catch. I was gobsmacked when I read that. Like anytime you're in a statistic and you're being paired with Randy Moss, that's nothing but but tremendous. And that's nothing but fantasy goodness. Uh, obviously, the uh, Titans took a, a great step forward last year. The addition of Ryan Tannehill proved to be the best free agent addition in all of football. His chemistry with Tannehill can only improve after uh, another another year and more repetitions together. I mean, like, he was a rookie last year. He he finished. Oh, I think I forgot to mention this. He finished as wide receiver ten last year as a rookie, um, and he's only going to get better. He finished at wide receiver ten as a rookie. Most of the main parts of that offense are coming back. Yes, they run the ball a lot. Yes, they're a primarily running focused team, and that's not going to change in twenty twenty. But he came out of nowhere as a rookie to be wide receiver 10. He's going to justify a few more targets than he got last year. And he just has an immense amount of talent to tap into. I think he's going to continue to grow as a second-year player in 2020. And he only got 84 targets in 2019. That's it, 84. And 84 is not a lot when you stack him up to the amount of targets that a lot of the guys that he's surrounded with in these rankings are going to get. Uh, And I think the target volume is going to increase, and I think that's going to increase his final standing, and he's going to be – Wide receiver 10 again next year in 2020. I hate this. I hate every ounce of this. A.J. Brown is not a guy I'm targeting. I I don't like him. I don't like receivers who are so dependent on the long game. I think that he has so... I'm looking at his stats right now, and he has so many games where he's got like four or five catches for like 120, 150 yards. Uh, I'm looking at this four for 124, five for 153, four for 135. And you're just like, man, that's a lot. I, w- I want to read you. I'm just I'm gonna pull this up. I want to read you after his bye week. So week 10, actually, this is going to be kind of, I actually, never mind. I, I'm reading this incorrectly. And now it actually looks like it ends really well for him. So I'm actually <laughs> going to take all of this back. But it took a long time last year before he came together. And it took a lot of bad weeks. And the way I've got this set up He had eight weeks last year of less than 10 points. A lot of bad weeks. He is so boom, bust, touchdown dependent. If he doesn't get those touchdowns, his value is nothing. I don't believe in Tannehill. I don't believe in the Tennessee Titans. I'm not wanting people in this offense. I'm not even a huge Derrick Henry guy this year. I don't like when running backs get paid a lot of money. Um, He's not a guy that I'm going to be going after in most drafts. And the fact that you have him 10 is insane to me. He finished 10 last year on 84 targets. I I think the team's going to be worse. I think that the, the team is not going to be... I think Ryan Tannehill is not going to be as good as he was a year ago. And I think that there are developing weapons around him. But he is there. if we talk about touchdown regression with a lot of people, I think he is the guy that's going to come back down. And then he also, the, the second-year wide receiver curse. If we, if we want to talk about that, like the second-year wide receiver curse is a real thing. And he is a guy that fits that mold so to the T that he they, there is a good chance that he is just not usable in fantasy next year. I couldn't disagree more. Obviously, I've got him at wide receiver 10. Uh, all you Tennessee Titan fans can uh, tweet Daniel. Yeah, you can <laughs> add me, guys. I'm not, I'm not here for you. You can you can at, at Daniel with your hate on that. Uh, I don't expect that they're going to make the conference championship game again, um, but I, I don't think the Titans are going to fall off a cliff, and I don't think that Ryan Tannehill was a one-year wonder. Um, so... I do think he's going to, like I said, I think A.J. Brown's going to see a few more targets. I think he's now clearly established himself as wide receiver one in that offense. Uh, If Corey Davis could do anything at all, that would obviously be helpful if he could uh, get a little bit uh, of help from a fellow wide receiver to not quite get all of the attention of the entire secondary. Uh, But even with that being said, I believe a lot in guys that have been really, really good their entire playing career. Uh, A.J. Brown was a top-level recruit coming out of Mississippi. Um, He was a huge get uh, for his college when he attended uh, Ole Miss. You know, fell a little bit in drafts, uh, was a little bit injured in in his college career, and then, you know, showed the immense amount of talent that he possesses uh, last year for the Titans. And I just think he's going to build upon his performance from last year. And even if it's just a mild improvement, like I said, he finished 10 last year. I've got him at 10 this year. So, uh, Daniel, quick question as we finish uh, A.J. Brown's discussion. Do, do you, is he even in your top 20, like your entire top 20? He is 
19th for me. Okay. Yeah. Okay. He's, he's a borderline top 20 guy. I'll accept that. I'm, I'm just happy that he's at least in your top 20. Yeah. Well, that's going to wrap it up for us. This is another episode of the Fantasy Football Freaks. I want to thank Daniel for his time and contribution to this episode. Uh, guys, as always, really appreciate your time and uh, energy listening to the pod. Please subscribe. Tell all your friends about the show. We're building a community here, uh, just a place, no judgment, judgment-free. People who really love fantasy football that are fantasy football freaks. It dominates your life. Uh, look forward to uh, next week's episode. Uh, thank you for your time, and everyone try and stay healthy and coronavirus-free. Good night.